You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Wait, if you haven't seen it, it's okay. Why do I do Christmas movies, you might ask? Um, some of you might be saying, um, some of you may crave or might be new or visiting, and say, I really like some deep Christmas exegesis sort of teaching. And look, don't get me wrong, we, many of you that have been here all year, we spent most of the year in Luke unpacking that gospel. But there is a season, this is two reasons I do this. One, there's something about Christmas movies in our culture where people get almost this close to something Christ-like. They're like, there's something else to life that Christmas brings out, but they can never articulate it. So Christmas movies, they just, there's family and there's connection and there's something almost spiritual in Christmas movies. But at the end they go, it's just Christmas magic. They just don't know how to articulate it. It's the power of Christmas magic. They don't know the name of what they're trying to articulate. And quite often, the name of what they're trying to articulate, the joy, the generosity, the traits of Christmas, is actually Jesus. Or is the Christ-like characteristics that come out. But they don't know how to name it, so it just ends up being Christmas magic. So that's why I love it, one, because they point to something but don't get to name it. And the other reason is we're in a season of hospitality. Our current practice is hospitality. So what a great season to invite someone to church. Now we'll have a laugh. We'll look at some clips from a movie and see what the gospel has to say to Harold, who we're going to introduce you to in just a moment. That's Harold, the dad that Toby was speaking about, who is Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you didn't pick that up. So um, Harold, all right, let's get into it. Actually, let me pray first. I was going to do that, wasn't I? Did I do that? No, I didn't. I just went straight into it. Let me pray for today, since I'm forgetting stuff. Father, I just thank you for this morning already. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here with us. And Father, as we unpack something that is funny this morning, unpack some stuff that isn't serious, let the serious stuff rise to the surface. Let a silly Christmas movie with poor acting and funny concepts, actually speak to something deep within us that that, that groans for you, that isn't Christmas magic. It's you, Lord. Father, this morning I just pray for those that are unwell in our community. We pray for your healing presence. We pray for those that are feeling isolated around this time. We also pray for more of your presence. They are not alone. They have this church and most importantly, they have you. Lord, speak to us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Harold. Harold is introduced at the start of the movie. It opens to the Christmas party at work. And what you'd normally expect is Harold to be there celebrating, but he's not. He's up in his office making sales calls on Christmas Eve Eve. And he's nailing it. But meanwhile, his family is calling him, so don't forget that we've got the karate tournament on today. You've got to make the pur- my, your son's purple belt. And what does he do? He gets caught up with selling, caught up with breaking necks, cashing checks, ticking boxes. He's on a roll. And he gets caught up and actually misses his son's tournament. The first we get to know about Harold, he's trying, he doesn't seem like an evil guy, he's not there partying while his family, he's trying to do work, but he's so caught up in that, he forgets yet again. Yet again. So driven by the goals of this world, he ends up falling short as a father and a husband, 
but not all is lost. Not all is lost. There is hope because his son says to him that night, his wife is very annoyed at him. She goes, go talk to your son. You didn't disappoint me. And he goes and talks to his son and his son almost gives him a way to redeem himself this Christmas. And Toby nailed it. It's a Turbo Man doll. So lucky, she says at the end, lucky you picked one up earlier, she says, because it'd be almost impossible to get one now. Let's have a quick look at the clip that intros this whole movie. Every holiday season, there's one toy everyone has to have. I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the Rock and Roar jetpack, and the Boomerang shooter. Getting it is every child's dream. Whoever doesn't can be a real loser. Finding it. You got the doll, right? Is this father's nightmare. I'll get that toy. I promise. Whoa! Nothing like waiting until the last minute, Howard, sir. Especially on Christmas Eve. We'll pause there and we'll come back. Harold. This is make or break for Harold. Literally, it gives, implies that his son's relationship and his marriage is on the line. But it'll be okay if he gets this doll, the Turbo Man. Every kid wants one. As, as the kid says, you'd have to be a loser not to have one this Christmas. So as long as he gets that, all is saved. A silly concept. Or is it? Or is it actually a silly concept? How many times, I can't talk for you, but let me talk for me, but I'll get you to reflect on yourself. How many times do we do this? How many times do I do this? Lots. Not about necessarily a Turbo Man doll. But as the year draws to an end, and I reflect back on this year even, how many times do we tell ourselves once we get this amount of money, once we get this, this we use our energy or our strength towards something that's going to fix it, once we get this thing, so I say, so say that again, that once, once we get something, maybe not be a term, how many times this year have we said, once I get that, I'm going to drive all my money, all my time, all my energy towards that. But once I get that, everything will be okay. And I just asked, it's a really simple question this morning to reflect on our year. What or was your Turbo Man this year? What or what was it should read your Turbo Man this year? What was it that you told yourself this year, if I get this, it's going to be okay? Was it a certain job? Once I get a certain job this year, I'm going to be okay. Was it a certain yearly amount? Once I get up to this pay grade, it's going to be okay. Everything will fall into place. Was it a certain relationship? Maybe you're single or maybe you're dating. or Once he puts a ring on it, I'm going to be okay. Or once I find my lifelong partner, everything is all sorted. Because that's how it works, married people in the room. Once you're married, never another problem. No, single people don't listen. That is not true. It's awesome marriage. But there's other stuff that goes on, perhaps. There's still life to live. It's not one thing. A certain item maybe, once I get that perfect thing in my house, once, they, once I renovate the kitchen, the bathroom, once I renovate all the bedrooms, once we do that, then 
everything will be okay. Maybe it's a weight goal. Once I reach this weight, do you know what? Things will start to pick up from there. It'll be good. Maybe it's a certain behaviour from a child. I'm in this stage with young kids, so this is a lot for me. Once this, this child behaves this way, surely the teenage years will be a breeze. <laughs> Maybe it's a health outcome. This is even getting heavier. Once I'm past this, surely everything will be okay. Don't hear me say, some of these things will make life better. I'm not saying that. But we just hang it all on this one thing. Once this pass, it'll be all right. Once my kid goes through this phase, it'll be all right. Once I get that health outcome, that house, that place, that item, that event, it'll be okay. What was it for you this year? What did you tell yourself? What was your turbo man this year? What if you got was going to make it all okay? Let me pry a little deeper if you're sure, if you're like, I don't actually know, Steve. Let me pry a little deeper because Harold actually gives us some lessons on this. Because the other question I could ask is, what did you sacrifice towards? If you want to know what you prioritise, remember back this year and think of the events that come up, which event would be the first to go. Maybe some friends invited you to this and some other friends invited you to this and you thought, how did you make your decision? Well, often Jesus says this, where your heart is, your treasure follows. And so what were you generous towards? That'll t- and, and these things aren't bad necessarily, but what were you generous towards? Chances are that's where your priority lied. What did the money easily flow out towards and what did you hold back from? What did you give up for? What were you willing to do the work for, the time, the energy for? That'll start to give you a picture of maybe what your turbo man was. For Harold, he starts to make some serious sacrifices even in his character. Some funny ones, but he starts to actually blur his morality for this thing because he thinks it doesn't matter if I do this, 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 this as long as I get my turbo man it'll be all okay we're going to watch a quick clip following on from the last one of exactly that people acting a little strange to get what they want Christmas spirit. The last one just left. Now, it's two fathers. This is one. One mission. Woo! Oh, the baby. <laughs> and every man for himself. I'm thinking maybe, you know, we could join up as a team. You know, like, like Starskin Hut. We're well, late delivery of Turbo Man at Toy Works. Let's go. Is there a problem, officer? <laughs> They start two reasonable delivery guy and a salesman, two dads just trying to get a toy. And as the movie goes on, yes, it's a comedy and it's silly, but how often when we become obsessed with a certain outcome, we start to sacrifice things for it. We start to let it form us. What was it for you this year? What was your 
Turbo man. May not be a bad thing. Just at least let the Spirit maybe speak to you now and bring up something. What was your turbo man? What did you give up stuff for? Because you thought, if I get it, it'll all be all right. Because the Bible is true and because it deals with very real human beings encountering God, we get some great stories. And I'm going to just read, a, a, read through a large bit of passage, but we're going to pause and just see this bunch of passages, the disciples, I believe, dealing exactly with this scenario. Let me, let me read. It's Matthew 16, if you want to read along. It'll come up. Matthew 16, 1 to 28. Let me read through this, these, these people wrestling with what they think they need and then what Jesus actually brings. Let me have a, let me have a read. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. So these, these religious folk come to him and say, show us a sign. We've heard some good stuff. Show us a sign. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left and went away. First interaction here. They, these Pharisees had this idea of who the Messiah was going to be. That was their turbo man. And they've got an inkling that Jesus is important, but they say, perform for us, show us a sign, be this Messiah, be this conqueror, be this Lord, be this celebrity. We want the show. Give, which, do you know what it actually translates to mean? They think if he gives them the show, they can get the show. They can have the fame if he's famous. They can have some power if he's powerful. It's never actually about Jesus when they're asking for a sign. They're like, if he's important, I'm important. They want fame, fortune. The Pharisees here bring to Jesus. They want a spectacle. That's their turbo man. Jesus is frustrated and says that won't suffice. That's not enough. He's frustrated by their pursuit. Let's keep reading Matthew 16. When the disciples reached the other side, this is straight after that story, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he's just had that encounter. He's saying, wasn't that intense? Be careful of what they're trying to say, what they're trying to teach. It's like yeast, leaven. It's going to get in there. It's going to expand. Don't listen to them. <laughs> How's this? So they take that teaching and they say this. And they began discussing it among themselves. We bought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why you were discussing among yourselves the fact we have no bread. He mentions one element of bread, and they start thinking about themselves and how hungry they are and that they didn't bring the bread. Do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood, and they did not tell, uh, he, he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's telling the disciples to be careful now. 
of the teaching of this religious. Their hunger, in a sense, for spectacle. Their hunger for religiosity. He said, don't let that in, guard your heart. And they're thinking about bread. I love how human they are. They're thinking about, gee, we're hungry. We didn't bring any bread. They're anxious because they're not near any bread. Bread seems so far away. And so important is this concept that they start discussing how we're going to get some bread. How frustrated for Jesus. He goes, don't you remember, I will provide. But they have just made, in that moment, their turbo man, bread. It's all about bread. We've got to get bread. Why is Jesus talking about yeast again? Is because he hungry? We're going to get bread. We haven't eaten for a while. I need some bread. Totally missing the point of what Jesus is trying to say. They've made it their turbo man in that moment about bread. It continues. Right through Matthew 16. Now when Jesus came to the district Caesarea with Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So in the priorities of the world, he's saying, who, who do people say I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others says Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you, who do you, where do I sit in your priorities? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood was not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So Jesus has a win here with the disciples. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail it. I'll give you the keys of kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was Christ. Jesus gets a win in this passage. He asks his disciples, what are the priorities in life? What are people after? Who do they say I am? They take some guesses and Peter gets it. Can you imagine Jesus after this day, after the Pharisees, after the bread fiasco, finally one of them gets it and says, I think you are the most important thing happening right now on earth or maybe ever. (laughs) And Jesus says to him, that's the kind of statement That's the kind of priority in life that I could build an entire movement out of. In fact, I'll build my church on it. In the list of priorities of things you need, it's not bread, it's not spectacle, it's me. It's Christ, he says to Peter. Can you imagine Jesus just smiling for a moment? Maybe I'm getting somewhere with these guys. And then this happens. It's short-lived because in verse 21, right after, from the time Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. So he's telling him, hey, this is not going to end the way you think, but I'm going to be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside. Peter's got confidence now. He had a win. Jesus, can we have a word? Took him aside and says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Can I give you some advice, Jesus? I don't reckon that's the best way we could play this. I know you're on the little, remember on the little rock seconds ago? Here's how I reckon is the best strategy for what I want, for getting Turbo Man. It's not suffering. That doesn't sound like a good thing. 
And he turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. You're too worried about getting your turbo, man. You don't realise what needs to happen. Peter's turbo man was kind of like okay for a regular human being. He wanted a Messiah. He wanted a conqueror. He wanted this guy to take down Rome. They're oppressed. They're suffering. A lot of them in poverty. So he thinks he's on his way to glory, fame and power. His turbo man in his head, this is how it's meant to happen. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to suffer I'm going to take a different road. I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'll be raised again. And he thinks, can I have a word with you, Jesus? That doesn't seem like the best way to go about it. And Jesus says, you don't get this. Get behind me, accuser. Get behind me, deceiver. I know what I'll do. I'll tell Jesus he has it wrong. I wonder how many conversations we've had with God this year, I know I have, where we, we've got our turbo men for the year and God has said to you, whispered, for those that know God, for those that have a relationship with him, how many of us here, there's a little whisper going, is this the best use of your time? Is this the best use of your energy? Is this what I made you for? And we go, can we have a word, Jesus? I'm in the middle of this. Mate, this is pretty important to me. I really want that thing. You don't understand. When I get this, you'll see. I had this little deal with God when I was back when I was in a band that um, if I got famous, then, oh man, I would tell so many people about him. I was literally a little deal I had. When me and the boys get famous, when we become a famous band, man, God, you do that for me, how many people? I'll be so cool. How many people will be able to tell about you? Instead of telling people any time or living in any way that would resemble Jesus at the time. But I said, oh, don't worry about that stuff. When I get there, I'll have this big change of heart. And man, I'm going to tell so many. I'm going to be awesome for you, God. How about we make these little deals? Oh, just get this. Just let me get through this season and then I'll focus on you, God. It's not healthy. It wasn't healthy then. It isn't healthy now. I wonder how many of us had conversations this year as we reflect this year and go, if I get that thing, God, then I'll focus on the things that are perhaps a bit deeper. I'm confronted by this passage. Matthew 16, 128. Final part of this. And this would be a great message for Harold as well. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what does a man give in return for his soul? We can replace that. For what does it profit a man if he gains the turbo doll, but loses his soul, becomes a horrible father and husband in the meantime? What does it profit you if you have all the money in the world but no love for your neighbour? Rust and moths destroy. 
What should a man give in return for his soul? In 26 there, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father and then he will pay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until you see it, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There was hope. If only Harold could have heard that before he went down his line of thinking around Turbo Man. Harold actually finds himself in his neighbour's house stealing his neighbour's son's Turbo Man doll at one point. He sets a fire, reindeer attacks him. It's a whole thing. Go see the movie. It's very funny. But he actually sits and he goes, what am I doing? Maybe this morning, it's a great chance to consider Jesus' words and ask yourself, what am I doing this year? What am I pursuing this year? See, Jesus isn't cranky at them for having goals, for having ideas. He's not annoyed at them for that. He's just saying it's probably not worth it. Or it won't fully satisfy. A new job, a pay increase, health, getting better. That's so good. But don't put all your hope that it will satisfy your soul. Don't pretend that the best career in the world will satisfy your soul. All the fame and power won't satisfy your soul. I know you know this because how often have we got things and for a moment it was good and then we realise, oh, that didn't fix everything. That didn't bring rest or satisfaction to my soul. Harold, if you sacrifice your family and your marriage for a turbo doll, it won't satisfy your soul. In fact, it's gonna, you become what you worship, you're actually going to become a pretty rotten person. You may find life, Harold, but you will truly lose it. you'll end up completely forgetting your wife and kids on Christmas Eve, ironically because you thought you were winning them back with stuff. It wasn't worth it. The disciples had this religious leader in mind, the power, the fame, that's what they thought he needed to be. Ironically, they had religious leaders and they hated it. (laughs) Ironically, they had an emperor who was saying he was half God, half man, and they hated it. Ironically, Judas gets all the money and he hates it and hates himself. What they want isn't good for them. Or, at the very least, it might be okay. Being more healthy is okay. Just don't fall into the trap this Christmas that it will satisfy your soul. You know, we're kind of in the perfect season to talk about this after the last few years, as well as Christmas. COVID has left the world going, oh, wow, my job wasn't essential. I gave everything to that. Oh, that didn't satisfy. Oh, wow, they can shut us all down just like that. Oh, maybe I have no power or as much power as I thought I did. 
They say that most people, not most people, they say there's a high percentage of people at the moment quite quitting where their ambition has just gone down. They don't know what they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know what to do next. Many of you can almost guarantee, just purely on the research, would feel this way. Oh, turns out is when I got a couple of months off there with my kids and my family or other people, turns out the other stuff that I thought it was all about, well, turns out that didn't actually satisfy my soul. Our whole world is like just trying to work out what will. And that's why, that's when Woolies or Audi or they'll step in and say, what's well, Christmas magic? <laughs> that's the perfect time for Christmas marketing. Oh, you didn't feel satisfied for la- your entire life. Do you know what will fix it? That extra special bit of jewellery for her, something special. That new car, that bigger loan, that new job, that new item, that set of chocolates, the candy canes, perfectly direct, de- uh, decorated Christmas tree. That, once you have that, we'll be back onto it. All those things aren't bad. But they won't satisfy. So what is worth our pursuit this Christmas season? What is worth our pursuit this Christmas season? Let's have one more clip and then we're going to wrap this baby up. Here you go, ma'am. Mom, did you see that? I was flying off to him, man. He saved me from the mentor. It was the coolest. Did you see? Did you? I saw. I saw. Oh, thank you, sir. I don't think you know how much he means to me. Oh, I think I have an idea. What's the matter, Jane? It's just, I wish Dad could have been here, you know, see me flying all. But he didn't come, and it's all my fault. He's mad at me. We had a fight on the phone, and I kind of yelled at him. Jamie, your dad is not mad at you. He loves you more than anything in the whole wide world. You are his all-time favorite person. How do you know all that? Well, who would know better than me? Dad? Howard? Right here. Oh, Liz, you two mean more to me than anything. I'm so sorry if I haven't shown that lately. I know I've been neglecting both of you. I had it right here in my hands. What am I going to tell my son on Christmas morning? How am I going to look him in the eye? How? Wait. Did you see I had it, man? I was just goofing. I was so close. Merry Christmas. Wow. Wow. But, hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, this is going to make my son really happy. I'm sorry about that uh, little tension we had on the roof up there. Hey, it's cool. But, Jamie, I thought you wanted this doll more than anything. What do I need the doll for? I got the real Turbo Man at home. Turbo Man! That's my husband. Awesome. Ten seconds of guess, Mez's favourite part of the whole movie. When she goes, Harold? <laughs> Is there anything to say? So, Mez has asked me to get a Turbo Man suit for Christmas. <laughs> I don't, all right.
<laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's things you should say from the platform and then there's things you shouldn't, but it doesn't matter. We've gone there, it's Christmas. How good is that scene though? Even if you haven't seen it, how nice is that scene? I got the real thing at home, he says. I don't need this. I just got my dad at home. You know, in my conviction that 2,000 years ago, a person was promised for thousands of years before that was born. God in person moved into the neighbourhood. Not in a, it was spectacular, but not in a spectacle in the back of a manger. Not as an overlord or born in a palace as a king. Not a source of fame, wealth or empire like we think it means or like the disciples think it means. But a real atonement, a real dirty solution. They're on the ground. The real thing, the thing that the world groans for. Not Christmas magic, the thing we groan for. Not a doll, a toy, an item, not an ambition, but Jesus. The real thing. Who gives us a way and gave us a way back to the Father. Our true purpose, our true freedom, true life, the real deal. This event, Advent season, which is the season leading up to Christmas... What a chance to consider the things we made it all about this year. This is not a guilt trip. I'm not saying if you pursued a new job or you made more money or you got stuff or you have a nice Christmas tree. I'm not not feeling guilty. Just know that all of that stuff won't satisfy like the real deal, the real thing, the real truth, the real hope. This morning is a chance to maybe put the turbo man down and apologise to God and say, hey, I've made it about something else. But this Christmas, help me come back. Help me be less distracted. Saying, hey God, I pursued the wrong thing a bit this year, didn't we? I got a bit off hand. I like how we say we, me and God, we got off track. No, we didn't. We did. He knows. You can confess it to him, he knows. But I want to come back. I want to make it about you. I want the real deal. I want to have the real deal at home. Some of you this morning will go, I don't know what you're talking about. You're new. That's okay, we're going to have lots of new people over the Christmas season. You're saying this just sounds like another sales pitch for another thing. In which I say to you, honestly, if that's you, Show me something else. I'm up for the discussion. If you have something that fully is satisfying your soul at the moment, if you have found the answer, I mean this. Let's have a coffee, not a debate. Tell me about it. But so far in my limited experience and in many people in the room's experience, the only thing that truly satisfies, the only thing that forms us to live a good and beautiful life, to build something eternal of worth is Jesus. If you have another option, I'm all ears, but I will guarantee that it won't satisfy you. When you get it, you'll be standing there like he gets the turbo going, I don't need this. I just want the real thing at home.
something worth considering today. Let's pray. Father, you're not looking to guilt us into anything. You're not looking to sell us some cheap knockoff. You want us to have real life. (laughs) Not life full of Christmas magic, life full of generosity, life full of hospitality, life full of your love for others, even those we don't even like, a a heart full of forgiveness. Somewhat simple, beautiful and good life. But to pursue you, we need to put other things down, Lord. And so right now, just to each of us, just reveal maybe the thing that we've been holding on to. Help us put it down to just where it belongs, not centre. And say, hey God, especially if we're new to this, hey God, I'd love to try this thing with you. Or I'd like to re-come back to you. Well, I don't even know who I'm talking to right now, but I'm willing to give this a shot because I'm not satisfied. Wherever you sit today, I pray God meets you there and his Holy Spirit does something in you today so that from this point on you can say, I've got the real thing at home. Who needs that? Thank you that Christmas is a reminder that you would travel humble yourself to meet us there at home and actually bring us back to your home, your father, your purpose, your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just during the last song, if you would like to come on down for prayer, we'd love to pray for you. there's nothing, again, magic about this section of the stage. Oh, it's because I'm... Sorry. Nothing magic about this section, but what it does, it gives us a physical response to something spiritual that might be going on. It says, hey, I'm not just going to sit here. I'm going to come down and be prayed for. So if you're just giving up something, putting a turbo doll down and saying, hey, I need to come back to God this Christmas, maybe it's the 78th time. <laughs> Bring it. Come on down, that's fine. I'll, I'll ask you for prayer too because I'm about on the 140th, probably more. Or if you've just accepted or want to explore Jesus for the first time, absolutely would love to pray for you and welcome you into the thing that truly satisfies. Love, love the band to keep playing and if you want to come down, well, um, the perfect last song. Thanks for choosing it, guys. So let's sing together. Let's stand.